Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Kids Inc. podcast. My name is Susan Yeager, and I will be your host today. Thank you for tuning in. Kids Incorporated was a television show that literally changed my life. I can't even begin to tell you how important the show is to me, and I know it has touched a lot, a lot of people out there. So let's talk about it, right? Okay, so for those of you who may not know, uh, Kids Incorporated started in 1984, and it was a television show about kids in a band, and every 22-minute episode had a little problem that they would solve through singing and dancing, and, and it was just a really amazing, inspiring show featuring so many talented kids. And through the years, uh, the nine seasons that show ran, I went from being a super, super fan, uh, I still am a super fan, to I actually ended up working on the last season through uh, Tom Lynch, the greatest creator, television show creator ever. Shout out to Tom Lynch. And uh, I ended up working on the last season as a production assistant. So I wanted to share my story with everybody and kind of connect. I've connected with a lot of Kids Inc. fans over the years, but I really wanted to share my story. Um, I have a ton of nieces and nephews who know the perimeter of the story. Like, I think they know that I worked on the show. They know I love the show. Um but they never knew how everything came about and how it all got started. So I'm really anxious to share this with everyone. Maybe they'll tune in someday and say, oh, so that's how that happened. Um, but let's start, like I'm going to use a Kids Incorporated pun and say let's start at the beginning because as real fans know, that's what they called the pilot episode. The pilot episode was Kids Incorporated the beginning. And I, I want to say, like, it's really funny. The show, like, the day the show aired changed my life forever. But I don't know exactly what day that was because the show was in syndication, which means your local channel bought it if they wanted it and showed it. They could pick whatever time fit their time slot. Um, so the very first show either aired in your area on September 1st, 1984, or it aired on September 8th, 1984. So I don't exactly know which day it aired in, I'm from West Virginia, as you will probably be able to tell by the accent somewhere along the line. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what day it aired on my television, but I can tell you, like, I remember this day very clearly. Uh, I am not athletic in the least. I am short, round, stubby, have been that way my whole life. Um, so at that time, I was 11 years old, and a lot of my friends were athletic. So they were cheerleading that day for midget league football. And so all the neighborhood kids were gone, and I was changing channels and, you know, surfing Saturday morning television. And this show came on and I'm like, what is this? Like, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I remember very clearly like Renee and, and Gloria practicing the piano and uh, they watched all the kids sing and, you know, and then Stacy Ferguson comes on 
who would later become Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. And she's like eight years old and she's singing Gloria. And I'm just like, where did they get these kids? I mean, it was unbelievable. The talent on that show, the magic that happened in that one hour, I think the show was on that day. I couldn't get over it. Now, looking back, um, the, the beginning, the pilot episode was a little bit of a mess compared to what the the show went on to be. Um, there were a lot of kids. Uh, there were, how do you say this politely? They weren't quite as talented as the kids that ended up being the main kids. So it, it was just kind of a, a mess. And maybe we will... Uh, if we get to continue and, and talk a lot through these podcasts, maybe we can get Tom Lynch on here to talk to us about how these creative decisions were made. I think it was a good idea to pare it down the way they, they did it. So the following week and into that first season, you had five main kids and five dancers who ended up telling the stories week to week. And the five main kids that they ended up with were uh, Martika, Jerry Shirell, Renee Sands, Stacy Ferguson, and they added Rasan Patterson after the beginning. Um, I, I think the episode I watched in 1984, I don't think Rasan was on there. And then when you saw the preview for the next week, it's like, okay, where'd they get that kid? But, you know, um, they put the beginning out as a VHS, like, special thing you could buy later. And they added Rasan in there to kind of round out how he supposedly, you know, his character ended up getting on the show. So, but I remember on the first episode, Rasan wasn't on there. But anyway, they ended up with those five kids and five incredible dancers. And that's what you came to know as the first season. And of course, we got the great Moosey Dreyer as Riley in that second episode. And Moosey was a child actor. Um, who had done a lot of other things. And he came on as kind of the adult, like he runs the place or owns the place. Did he own the place? Maybe he owned the place. Yeah, he did. And uh, so he comes in and he's kind of the adult, the big brother, the, hey, let me um, give you some advice kind of guy. So we got Moosey on that season. And uh, the first season was great. I think, oh, like I should have researched this before I started talking about it. I'm sure you guys will let me know. They did, what, 22 episodes the first season? Um, I think there were 22 episodes. And I think the first season is the only season that they actually filmed like 22 weeks. They actually did like one show a week, which is how normal television does it. But they would later go on to uh, do three shows a week, which was a lot for those kids. But they did it and they did it, you know, amazingly um but the so the first season they did one episode a week and it was really not as cost effective for them they had what 10 kids that had to do homeschooling and you have strict labor laws when children are working in television as you guys probably know um so they could only work a certain hours a day and there was a lot to get done you think about the recording and wardrobe and trying things on and uh, filming and and so it was a lot um, but I think they wisely well unfortunately though for the the cast the kids kind of lost their summers um, 
I don't think they really cared that they got to do what they loved. They loved singing. They loved acting. Um, so where most of them, I think, went to regular school during the school year, they lost their summers um, doing the show. But it was very expensive for production to school the kids and get everything done. So I think leading into the second season, they wisely decided to do the episodes during the summer. The second season, they brought, uh, they replaced Jerry Shirell and they brought on Ryan Lambert. And I have to tell you right off the bat, like, well, it's kind of funny. The very first episode, uh, my best friend growing up, Cindy, she came running down the street. She saw commercials for it before the second season started showing. And she's like, they got a new Mickey. They got a new Mickey. And I was like, what? They can't do that. You know, you can't change my favorite show. And I saw the commercials and I was like, how could they get a new Mickey? You know, and so they replaced Jerry Shirell with Ryan Lambert. And Ryan came on. And I remember, I think in the first episode, like he goes to take something off a wardrobe rack or something. And I'm like, don't touch that. It's Mickey's. Yeah, it was very dramatic for Eleven. But anyway. Uh, by the time that episode was over, though, I was head over heels in love with Ryan Lambert. I mean, just head over heels. No ifs, ands, or buts. Like, he was the end-all, be-all. And so that was the second season. Um, what happened after the following, the following summer, after the second season had aired, I was at a friend's house the day after school let out. I want to say June 9th. This, these dates used to be like embedded in my brain and they have slipped out over the last few years. But I was at a friend's house and it was like the day after school let out and we were joking around and they were messing with the operator. Remember like you had landlines and you dialed zero for the operator if you wanted someone's telephone number? And I said, see if you could get someone's number from another state. And the operator said, what state? And I was like, oh my gosh, like maybe his number is out there. So I went home and I started doing some digging and I managed to track down Ryan Lambert's home telephone number. So I started trying to call and my accent was so bad that I called him Ron. Here in West Virginia, that's Ron. And his mom was like, who? <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, uh, Ron, R-Y-A-N. And she's like, oh, Ryan. So he wasn't home, of course. And you could tell the mom is like, who is this? How'd you get the number? You know, I was a total stalker. I do not recommend this for anyone in this day and age. But I, I just really feel like this is what was meant to happen, given the way everything played out on down the line. But, uh, but at that point, um, it was stalkerish and I apologize. So, and I, and I have to say also, cause I know if, uh, Cindy ever listens to this, she was like, you weren't supposed to call when I wasn't there. And Cindy was at a ball game the first time I actually got to talk to Ryan. So I do owe Cindy an apology. I was not supposed to call until Cindy got there. But anyway, okay, so uh, after a little while, the family was like, okay, she's not calling all the time. She hasn't given the phone number out. She doesn't seem too crazy. So we'll let her talk to Ryan. 
So I started talking to Ryan, God love him, about once a month. And it was a really cool time. They were they had just finished filming the third season of Kids Incorporated. He had just finished filming The Monster Squad. Um, no, he had just started during that time filming The Monster Squad. Um, and so we had great conversations. He was very nice to me. Like, I, I just have to give him credit. I must have been so crazy. Here I'm like, what, like 12, 13 years old. And uh, he was very nice, always took time out, um, talked about the production of the show, talked about what songs they were going to sing, talked about when he got the Monster Squad. And so I said to him, if I came to California, could I meet you? And he said, yes, but come when we're taping Kids Incorporated. Because I know now he's probably thinking I'll have security. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, he said, come when we're taping Kids Incorporated. I want you to go to the set. I want you to see the show. So uh, their fourth season, 1987, um, I got my mom's credit card with her permission. I booked a hotel through a travel agency on Hollywood Boulevard because I didn't know where to go. Like I didn't know where to stay. Incidentally, don't stay on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, If you're going to go to L.A., I would stay somewhere like outside of Hollywood, maybe. I don't know. Although I have to tell you, the hotel that we stayed in, they ended up making that part of Hollywood and Highland. And it's a very ritzy area now. Not so much when we stayed there. But anyway, uh, so in August of 1987, my mom and I loaded up. And we went to California. I had never flown before and uh, had an amazing time on the set of Kids Incorporated, which we'll continue talking about in part two. See you there. Have you heard? Have you heard?